Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 61. We brought Megan Calloway back. We've got a really good episode with her. She gets into some elements of self-care, prioritizing that, some of her own experiences. We get into how getting people stronger is corrective and dispensing with a lot of the lingo and bullshit about people being weak and broken. Uh, get into physical therapists and other professionals who, the issues when they don't have a strength background and they just give passive treatments and they don't deal with the underlying causes of the issues. Uh, and a lot of people deal with injuries and I don't like using the word dysfunctions, but problems that they just simply need to get stronger. Uh, for fitness professionals, we have a conversation about how you can grow beyond just training clients for hours and earning some passive income, developing products. Megan's really amazing at that with her pull-up program. We talk a lot about the pull-up program. It's got a new launch coming up and how amazing that experience has been. And a, a, a conversation about work-life balance and Megan's experience with how she scaled back some of her in-person work and she's been happier in the process. And also, um, we discussed who you align with professionally and personally in the fitness industry when we deal with people who, as Megan puts it, are shady uh, and we don't want to be seen as supporting or endorsing those type of people and, and having the strength and conviction to actually not be aligned or associated with some of the people who may exhibit problematic behavior. Guys, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, we've got Megan Calloway coming back. Bringing back guests is always fun to catch up with what they've been up to. And so yeah, we scored Megan. She's sitting in her car in between clients. She uh, took the time to talk to us. So uh, Megan, what have you been up to lately aside from sitting in your car? Well, I literally went into my car. I've been busy working on my, or relaunching the pull-up program. Mm -hmm. I'm working on, I mean, I've been doing a lot of different pull-up videos. I've been doing a lot of self-care so a lot of stuff that's not even related to work um a lot of stuff really you've been posting more on on social media too i remember i don't remember it was about a year ago i feel like we talked in like it was at least nine months yeah you, i swear you post something valuable every day <laughs> like i try my best i mean i usually i don't necessarily every day but i try to do something good most days or something helpful anyway you know what i noticed that this is a sort of thing actually it's kind of a big pet peeve of mine and i'll sort of I'll explain what I think. You get people who really go out of their way to post a lot of really ridiculous, novel, creative, but useless shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I find that your stuff is really, really practical. And then it gives you some latitude to show off and have some fun. And um, there's a, actually, she's really fun. There's a girl named Kaiser Fit, and she always does random different things. So she seems to walk a fine line and get people moving. But then there's a guy, and I won't say the name, a lot of people like him, but. He posts an endless array of completely useless crap, and he's very, very, very well educated. And I'm looking at his stuff, and I always want to comment. I'm like, "What the fuck is the point of this? This is nonsense." And yeah, that's no, not him. No, uh, sorry, we're, we're secretly <laughs> trying to figure out who the hell he's talking about. There's lots. Anyone can figure it out. It's like this is someone who like a lot of people sort of like, but I'm just like, what is the fucking point? Of doing that Instagram followers no and this guy's not even all about Instagram he's like highly educated we'll leave it at that I'm not gonna out it someone figures it out fine you can message me and be like are you talking about this person look yes. Megan you got him ranting in like <laughs> two minutes what's wrong with you <laughs> ah see I'm on my best behavior well I, well, I, I, for I, now. I know we're gonna kind of go into non or bad behavior later 
So let's, let's hit her with the... Well, <laughs> just because I, I know where this is I going. actually wanted to, to hit on something. You said something that I, I loved. Uh, you said self-care. Uh, that's something I've actually been really focused on for myself, too. You know, it's kind of been an up-and-down, bumpy sort of year. Um, yeah. But it's going really, really well. And yeah, that's something I said, fuck, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of people really neglect it. Uh, I've had a lot of conversation with some of my clients and... Maybe you can comment on this. I think like women are a little bit more prone than men to putting themselves last, especially when they're yeah. care caretakers for family. And I've had a couple of my clients, they're just lovely, amazing people, but they've had some stuff happen within family recently that, and they've tended to just kind of put themselves last and, and not prioritize their own nutrition, sleep and workouts. And, and I'm always trying to say to them, Hey, you know, you have to take care of you too if you're going to be able to actually be there to help everybody else. So, you know, your thoughts on that? Well, I find, I agree with everything you said about the nutrition, the training and the sleep, a huge area that a lot of people neglect. And this is where I took a huge step to change my life was addressing my mental health. Yep. Yep. So for me, I mean, I've always trained hard. My eating has always been good. My sleep is decent. I mean, right now, just because the launch is coming up, I have a lot on my mind, so I haven't been sleeping great. But I have been neglecting my mental health for years. And so, I mean, I've talked about it pretty openly. I started going to therapy in April, changed my life, or it has changed my life. I'm doing the self-care, the work every day on my own as well. So for me, that has been a life changer. I highly recommend it. It's a shame that the stigma still exists and a lot of people don't talk about it or they think there's something wrong with them if they do decide to go to therapy. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying everybody should go to therapy, but for me, it has been so helpful and I kind of am treating my mental health just as, or I'm pushing myself or to improve my mental health just as hard as I am pushing my physical health. Well, and I find most people don't. They kind of just focus on their physical health and totally ignore their mental health, maybe until something happens. Or me, nothing really happened. But I just kind of realized I was stretching myself pretty thin. I wasn't feeling as good as I have. And funny, I decided to go right after Spokane when I saw you there. Right. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. Um, something sort of similar happened to me. Nothing big happened, but I just realized... You know, hey, there's just some stuff that isn't right in my world. And yeah, so I went, got into some literature and I took some steps too to make sure I was really on top of it. And I, I feel world's better. And well, this it, shit is something that, you, like you said, people neglect it or, or they don't feel comfortable talking about. And then, of course, there's always a handful of people who go the other end of the extreme and they make it kind of part of their narrative. And, yeah. and then everybody's just like, oh, God, that's way well, too fucking much. That that stuff doesn't necessarily help either. So, Well, and one cool thing is just I've been tracking HRV for quite a while now. And, like, same idea. Like, I've kind of taken the opportunity to, like, improve myself. But because I have an objective score my stress, I've noticed that a lot of the mental, the cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, like the making changes, actually yeah. correlates to better HRV because you're getting less stress. And I have data to show. like, And, and they do that. But it's kind of interesting because I'll post my scores on Instagram and someone will be like, oh, I got mine, mine was a four today, but I'm dealing with like a family illness and I didn't sleep and I did this and this and this. And a big part of that is just literally some of their mental stress correlates yeah. to how they feel every day. And people don't even know they're there. Like, yeah, it's they're just, true. They're just moving forward and as a stress case and they think they're good. Yeah, whenever... yeah, people are surviving versus thriving. Yeah. 
And uh, a yeah. lot of people then turn around in our world and they'll mask these other things with physical activity. Now, we know that physical activity can be one of the best things for your mental health and, and de-stressing. But when those stresses are so cumulatively high and you throw intense exercise in, which we know some people do, then the net effect can be a problem. Yes, so. that was me in my 20s. <laughs> How old are you now? 38. Oh. I just turned 38. Holy shit. And you, I feel like I'm 24, though, so it's all good. I was going to say, you're banging I, up like pull-ups like crazy. Well, you've got yeah. you've got the youthfulness, the attitude, and everything of someone much younger, which is fun. So I think you can do more pull-ups than you fuck. She can. Yeah, she can. And aging, empowering. How many pull-ups can you do now? Because I think last time, was it 18? I don't remember. No, I'm still, I kind of got sidetracked, so I'm stuck at 17. Okay, good. I can I've, be, never, like, I've never done 17 all in one shot. I could do 20. That could beat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20 is my short-term goal for reps, and then my long-term goal is 25, but we'll see if that happens. But these are, like, strict. Like, we're talking, like... Yes, yeah. no kipping. Yeah. Full range of motion. <laughs> How many kipping ones can you get? Probably... I have actually never done a kipping pull-up before, I admit. That's a good pull-up. I don't she know that you could good... probably in... <clears throat> do an infinite loop of them, and that would just do it for, like, an hour. It would be really ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it's a totally different skill, and it's just a skill I never bothered acquiring. Yeah, I think your shoulders would explode before you uh, before you got to the end. Uh, let's actually. Well, we're talking about things like shoulders exploding. I liked this quote, and it was actually something you shared on your social media from Tony Gentlecourt. It said, "Getting stronger is corrective," and that's yeah. in the context of we coaches talk extensively about imbalances and correctives. At least some coaches do. Uh, yeah. More often, that's as simple as someone just being weak. Yeah. We don't like using language like that. I, I love the term decondition. Yeah. Uh, people just need to focus on getting stronger. So go run with that discussion. Generally speaking, I totally agree with that. And I mean, you'll often see clients in for their first session or even sessions and all the coaches do, they assess them, they assess their movement or they do the different tests. They kind of try to prove to people how, I hate using the word weak, but how weak they are, how dysfunctional, how unbalanced, how asymmetrical. And these are words I will not use. I don't like them. So I kind of, first of all, like to show people what they can do versus what they cannot do. And then you kind of help people learn how to move properly. You learn or you teach them how to get strong while performing all these different movements. In so many instances, it will help them feel better. It will help them perform at a higher level not even just talking in the gym. It's going to help you learn how to pick up a box. It's going to even something as simple as sitting down in your car. It has a carryover to life. And then another pet peeve of mine, and it kind of talks about, or it ties into strengthening being corrective. You have physios. We'll probably talk about this later on. Mm -hmm. Physios, different practitioners. People go into them with different injuries, ailments, symptoms, and the physios, they either just do the passive treatments, they don't look to address the cause, or they just prescribe kind of the typical rehab exercises. And I mean, these exercises can have a place, but when it's the main focus of their program, for example, they do nothing but clamshells, maybe stuff to isolate <laughs> the MO for hours on end, and they don't do anything to address the larger muscle groups, compound movements, basic daily movements you're probably not going to feel great and you're probably going to struggle to do a lot of stuff in life. Uh, let's let's get all over this conversation because it was our next question. This is something that we all three of us believe very strongly in is if I'm going to work with a physiotherapist, 
with my clients and I, and I have a couple who are just amazing. Yeah. They've got to have a strength and lifting background and understand the value of it. So I've mentioned his name before. So he's a local Edmonton physiotherapist named Darren Bishop. He's a good friend yeah. of mine, him, and he's, he works at the bridge cell. So if anybody is looking for great physiotherapists, Darren Bishop and um, my other friend, Richard Klein, are two physios down there. Extensive lifting backgrounds. Darren called me one day because I sent one of my guys down to him who wanted a second opinion. He's a fencer who his physio told him just to stop fencing and he had a partial tear in a quad. So Darren called me and he was furious and he was mad. He was <laughs> spitting fire about this other physio. And so, of course, he said to Cab, oh, you could go and you could do this. Just here's some guidelines, blah, blah, blah. And uh, got him used to the idea of what pain was okay to tolerate and what was bad. So we continued to work on his squat yeah. and got him stronger, stronger. And and my fencer has done wonderfully. He's fully rehabbed. But Darren and, and Sam Spinelli, who we've had on the podcast, did a presentation with Dean Somerset uh, here in Edmonton this summer. And Sam really made a great presentation on explaining how too little stimulus and activity is bad, degenerative. Oh, yeah. Way too much is also degenerative and bad. And it's about yeah. finding the right stimulation that's sort of in that middle ground to rehabilitate and strengthen injuries. I completely agree. I just, I'll, I'll, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know more than the physio. <laughs> like that's my biggest pet peeve. Like I don't want to be the one to like have to fix someone because fuck with doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, like, that's what bothers I me because then I look like I'm much. diagnosing and I'm like, I know what the problem is. I just want your physio to fucking tell you what the problem is. <laughs> Like, right? I'm lucky because I have, I mean, unfortunately he moved, but I had an awesome guy that I worked with, the guy who helped me after my car accident. And I think I talked about this the last time I was on your show, but it took me over five years to find somebody who could actually figure out why and address the cause versus just treat the symptoms. Yeah. So he was fantastic. He worked with me. I referred anybody I knew. I mean, family, friends, clients, they all went to him. Sadly, he moved away. And so, I mean, I do have a few others who are local and I recommend them, but it is so hard to find somebody who actually understands proper movement, mm -hmm. strength and conditioning, and can actually diagnose the cause. And that's my main thing. Work with people who can figure out why, if they just want to do passive treatments and address the symptoms. I joke, but run for the hills and don't look back. Well, yeah. Another thing I was going to throw into this too, and it ties into our first question, you know, about people talking about correctives and imbalances is um, a concern I have is a lot of trainers want to pretend and play physiotherapist. And I think that's very yes. dangerous territory. Now we do have some, and again, goes back to mentioning Dean Somerset. Dean is a better physiotherapist than most physiotherapists. Well, and he oh, is very sure. much not one technically. Well, he knows the, more about this stuff. But that's the problem is like, so we talk about um, like your, your scope of practice. Yeah. The problem is, is when people don't trust their physios that you don't even want to be in that scope of practice, even though you know that you commit to kind of, re, we'll call it rehabbing or fixing them, even if you can't diagnose them, you kind of have an idea of what's going on. But I don't even yeah. want to be in that position. I want someone to say, do this, this, and this, and this. But we almost get forced sometimes because of our knowledge set. Because if you do any continuing ed and you go to like the good shit, you'll have a pretty good skill set to deal with a lot of stuff, which should increase yeah. your scope. But you don't want, like you want the people that they're paying for to do the job. And like, that's my biggest pet peeve is that I don't think that, some of them even have a clue, little on knowing how to coach the stuff that they have a clue about. You know what I mean? It's true. 
I mean, it took, like I said, it took me f- five years to find somebody who could figure out why. And even within those five years, towards the end, I was working with some really good people. Mm-hmm. But my symptoms, they were so complicated. It basically, they were throughout my entire body. It wasn't just one area. And the one area where, I mean, the actual cause, my ribs, that was the one area where I had no symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that was the one area that people did not treat and just for, or look to address, I should say. Just for like reference to everyone listening, what, what ended up being your issue? Well, I don't know the actual term for it or I'll just try to explain it. So I was driving my car. There was a snowstorm. I should not have been out, but I was going to pick up a friend who had blown out her knee at the hospital. It was late at night. I had all season tires. And so I was driving on the highway. I luckily was only going 60 kilometers an hour. And my front end spun out, sorry, spun out, smashed into the median, did a 180 across the highway, back end smashed the other side. Car was totaled. And I think what happened, because I had time to think and kind of prepare myself when the car was sliding across the highway, I leaned across the car. I turned my body really hard just because I knew my driver's side door was going to be completely taken out. So I think my body being totally twisted while there was that impact, what he said, I mean, I hate kind of throwing about terms because I don't know the actual prop. I mean the proper terms, but he said the ribs on the one side were totally compressed and most of the issues were being caused by nerves that were severely irritated due to the ribs compressing them. And they'd been like this for five years so I had issue, like symptoms all the way from my head all the way down to my feet. The first symptom I ever experienced, I was playing in a soccer game, and I felt like I tore my hamstring. Like It just felt like it completely went. And then for the next few weeks, it kind of, the pain, the symptoms, they kind of came and went. It just felt very weird. So I was seeing a physio. He was so convinced it was a hamstring tear. I could tell it was referred pain. So I asked him, could this be referred pain? He actually mocked me and said, oh, you shouldn't go on Google to look things up. And then he went to needle the spot that he claimed to be torn. And I think he ended up getting the sciatic nerve because for about five days or longer, I could barely move. And then I ended up figuring out from somebody else, I ended up going to see a Cairo, which also did nothing. He said it was referred pain coming from the L4, L5. So he did his treatment. Symptoms went away for a couple of days, came back. So I was seeing a Cairo for three days a week for a year. That didn't work. Then I went to see somebody who did ART. She was good, but still she kind of focused on the SI joint, lower back, kind of the typical areas that people focus on. And then so she realized she's somebody who's very good, very credible. She knew she wasn't helping me. So she sent me to somebody else who then was so sure it was my feet that were the problem. He diagnosed me with a leg length discrepancy, which didn't end up being true. Then I finally ended up finding my guy, Jason, his name is. He looked at me, he assessed my movement, and he figured out that my ribs were just completely fucked up (laughs) within two sessions. Oh, and he showed me some sort of treatment or I don't, not necessarily a treatment, but it's called rib stacking. Yeah. So he did that for me. He taught me how to do it on my own within two sessions, I should say. The symptoms pretty much all started to reverse. Everything that I had been dealing with pretty much just went away within two sessions. And then I had to relearn how to do everything, how to walk, how to move, how to strengthen properly. 
And then I kind of just rebuilt my body, my fitness, I mean, my mindset. And so that's kind of what happened. And I don't, honestly, I don't think that story is very different from a lot of people's stories. Oh, it's so true. Especially, uh, even people dealing with basic shoulder pain, they'll just bump physio to Cairo to another physio to massage therapist. And no one can find, like, seemingly simple stuff if you find someone who actually does objective tests and can figure it out. Yeah. Oh, and then another thing that just drives me crazy, and this is why I'm so passionate about this, Throughout the whole five years, a lot of the people that I worked with, they told me how weak I was, how tight certain areas were, oh, how your back is out, how your hips are out, all the bullshit that is so not true. That's what I was constantly being force fed. So I was so scared to simply breathe the wrong way, move the wrong way. I was scared to do anything. So words, I mean, I talk about this a lot. Words are extremely powerful as coaches. We have to be so Mm -hmm. careful what we say, how we say it. I mean, that is so important. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I was in a presentation and Brett Contreras did a really good presentation on this. And he hates it when people in the fitness industry describe people as being broken or dysfunctional, yes. these sort of things. Because, yeah, these words actually sort of tear people down. And he's critical of the fitness professionals who build their brands upon that kind of language. Yeah, the fear mongering. Yeah. And I personally, I like to be very careful about the kind of words I use. I don't like using the term weak with people either, unless I'm just joking with someone I have great rapport with. I like the term decondition a lot because there's no stigma to it, but it really just turns around to what we were talking about is getting people strong again. And yeah. with my clientele over the years, what I've noticed is I would say 90% of the time when you have people with weaknesses and discomforts, oh, you know, I've got bad knees, oh, you know, history of lower back issues, you teach them the right movement patterns, you get them stronger, and I can't count the number of times that someone's come back to me after a while and be like, you know what, fuck, I haven't felt any pain or discomfort here in forever and they have no issues. I find in about 10% of the time, there is some sort of lingering underlying issue. Having a great physiotherapist is a great idea. There may be some sort of more pervasive injury and that's got to be addressed. Yeah. And then another issue, and we, we, you kind of brought it up before, physios, or sorry, physios who don't really have that strength-based knowledge. So I'll have clients, they see a physio, they come in to see me, they show me the exercises that the physios have given them, and they're doing the exercises with absolutely atrocious form, and it's hurting them. So the second I correct them and they do the exercise properly, they're like, whoa, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and they think they're so convinced there's something wrong with them. And so much of the time, it's not them, it's how they're doing things. Yeah, it's So that's coach. another huge issue. I mean, it's not just physios, it's coaches, it's so many other professions. Well, th- this is something that's actually important for people to understand too, is I think anyone who would be listening to this podcast has a very clear understanding there are very, very good trainers and very, very bad trainers. And there's a yeah. spectrum. But that spectrum exists within chiropractics, within massage, with especially within physiotherapists. It exists within doctors. And just because Every it's a, industry. Yeah, it, just because it's a clinical setting does not guarantee that someone is a is a qualified, highly skilled professional. A lot of physiotherapy clinics are churn and burn, passive treatment, four or five clients at a time all the yes. time. Some physios can balance that with people who've been there a while. They can actually manage multiple people. But if that's all the experience is, here's your piece of paper with these three exercises, do the rotator cuff work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is the kind of shit that we're all cutting apart. It's, but it's that whole idea of, so like, they'll give them the pre- prescription and clamshell is the one that fucking gets, 
fucking gets me going is if your fucking foot's your top foot's coming up off your fucking ankle. You're not even working the muscle you're supposed to. And then they're like, well, let's put more bat. Like a clamshell is not a clamshell. 95% of the way, most physiotherapists coach. No. And then the ribs are flaring. Yeah. And the hips are rotating back and forth. Like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually really do like clamshells. They're great. But you have to use, they should not be the focus of the program. They should kind of complement the compound movements. So my client, he literally, all he was given, clamshells. He was told how weak he was. He was told his SI joint and all these things. And I'm just like rolling my eyes to myself, of course. But I just, I explained to him, if you can't do a basic body weight squat or even just a box squat or a split squat or a body weight hip hinge, doing all the clamshells in the world probably aren't going to make much of a difference. But people don't get that. They hear the term physio or Cairo or, I mean, even coach. And they assume everybody knows what they're doing. And so that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. And then another pet peeve of mine, and this is where people do need to be accountable. And it took me a while to get this myself. When I was dealing with my issues after the car accident, for the first few people I saw, I kind of felt helpless. And I had the patient mentality I expected the Cairo or the physios to do everything. The second I adopted more of the mindset of a student versus a helpless patient, and I learned everything, I asked a lot of questions, that's when I started to make more progress, even though I had not found the right person to address the cause. Yeah. So don't just be a, a passenger. You have to be present in your journey of recovery. Well, we're probably really similar in this because I have a fuckload of issues just from football and powerlifting and just being mangled my whole life, but (laughs) not being able to find help has driven, I guess, my knowledge in this industry because it's hard to find good help. And you have to, you have to almost be a student so that I could fix myself. And then that's kind of where I I think most people miss. They don't have to learn everything, but you can't be passive. So physios can be passive with their treatment, but as a, as a, someone who's trying to get better, you can't be passive either because you're only there for half an hour to an hour. Exactly. And I mean, I have another client. He just got his knee replaced. It sucks because he's in his 70s and I started working. I mean, he might have needed the knee replacement anyway. But when he started working with me, his knees were just mangled. So even knowing he needed this surgery, he got really strong. His progress has just been so good. So he, I believe, I think this coming Friday will be two weeks post-surgery. He's already up walking. He's already rehabbing. He's already doing so well because he went into it strong and he kind of understands what to do and is taking the rehab seriously. We just had Charles Staley on like the last podcast. And Charles, you're probably familiar with Charles because motherfucker is is, like doing crazy amounts of weighted chit-ups at like 58 years of age. Deadlifts. He's a maniac. And this is what we talked about is, you know, as we get older, maintaining that strength is going to be a really important thing for longevity, long-term health, quality of life, you name it. Right? I, I, I really enjoyed Charles. He's a badass. Getting up from falling was a big one. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though. Well, one of my clients, she slipped on the top of a hot tub and she <sighs> fell off the side of a deck and she was in her late 50s at the time. And so she did hurt herself a little bit, but because she was strong, the injuries were so much better than if she had not been strong. And see, I won't say weak. I would yeah. just say had not been as strong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, she was by herself and wasn't as strong. Like some people don't get up. Like, I know that no, sounds horrible, true. but like it is true. Like I think that was Charles main point. He's like, I almost slipped at a grocery store because I was, 
I was strength training. Like he's like, I could, I got, I think he got up, right? Yeah. He's like, it wasn't as bad as I know it could have been, which seems stupid, but like there is, there is something more to weights than just pushing numbers, especially yeah. as we age. It's just, they help you. It helps you live life. Yeah. And people ask me, what do you train for? And I always say I'm training for life. Yeah. And pull-ups. Pull-ups 25 are of them. Are, they are part of life though. That's I true. Think. Pull-ups are life. That should be your, uh, your, your, your some sort of meme with your picture on it or a picture of you doing chin-ups. Um, let's shift into something that we talked about. Um, we have a lot of fitness professionals that listen to this. As a fitness professional, and I'm definitely here, we invariably start working, uh, trading the time for money. You know, you, you work with your clients, you get paid your, your hourly rate. And I actually really do love that. I think there's a bit of a rush for young, new fitness professionals to get away from that really quickly and into the online space, but that's not the point here. Um, some trainers, like yourself, work towards developing programs to sell, uh, to allow yourself to generate more income relative to the time it takes to, to do the work. Uh, what advice do you have for anyone looking to add, we call it passive income, beyond their direct client work? I mean, it really depends. And for me, I think a large reason why my pull-up program has done so well, I have been providing a lot of pretty decent content for quite a few years for free. I think people trust me. I think my reputation is pretty decent. So when I put out my product, people were kind of willing to buy, I guess. But also, um, I mean, I guess it really depends on the product. I guess it depends on the audience. One of my big things for me that has worked really well Fitness, it should be empowering, it should be fun, it should bring you joy. So with my pull-up program, and even just what I've been doing this past year, I want to get people excited. So I think maybe whatever your product is, I mean, I guess it, de it depends on the product. But for me, just really trying to get people excited, get them passionate about something. For me, that's been fantastic marketing and is largely why the program has done as well as it did, I mean, as it did in the past year, and I guess it's still doing. It was featured, you were featured in um, John Goodman's uh, Fitness Marketing Monthly, FMM, yeah. and it actually talked about, you know, the income you were earning, what you'd put into it uh, because of the pull-up program. Was, yeah. So, again, it talked about exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, so, I think, um, I mean, I was originally, and I talked about it in the interview, I didn't really know what to do. I had no experience with a fitness product or any sort of product. So I was just going to kind of put it out as an e like a free ebook. And then my <laughs> friend Lee, she's like, no, 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 you can't do that. And so she totally helped me have a plan of attack for my first launch. So, I mean, I give her so much credit for how well the first launch went. So if you're going to have a product, you can't just kind of make the product and blindly put it out. And that's what a lot of people do. And I mean, even after my first launch, I had a lot of people message me, people who have products or want to create products and say, okay, I'm ready to release it. And they hadn't lined up affiliates. Mm. They hadn't, they didn't have a sales page. They had no marketing strategy. A lot of these people have not been putting out free content. So I think all of those things are really important if you are going to put out a product. It makes sense that a lot of people would be tempted to skip a lot of those steps. And I think maybe, yeah. or even know those steps, to be honest. But what I, what I think you I'm still on, learning, but it's so important. What I think is the most important thing you said is 
is putting out all that. It's, it's earning grace with a lot of people, putting out that free content over a very long period of time. And there's a lot of successful yeah. fitness professionals that did that. And then later on, they turn around and you can start offering some things and charging for it. And usually the audience is already there and willing to pay for it. And if it's, of course, if it's great quality work, then it'll find new audience as you go. Uh, yeah, we had Lee Peel on in our own podcast and you knew about that a while back. So anyone who kind of wants to learn more about Lee, we had one with her. We recorded one with you around the same time. She's basically yeah. the reason why that program cost money. It was going to be free. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, exactly, I, I assume, because I know you're very close with Dean Somerset as well, Dean is yeah. someone who is probably one of the more prolific people at creating great products on DVDs or, uh, or or online stuff and then selling that too. So I got to believe that Dean has probably had some influence or help in that process too. Oh, he was huge. He was, he, I mean, he gave me so, so much support before the launch, during the launch, he was constantly checking in to see how I was doing. I mean, people were so good to me and they, I mean, they've still been amazing. So that was good. <coughs> and another thing with me, my following, I don't know if the largest amount of followers in social media, but the followers I have are insanely loyal. So that has made a huge difference for me. I mean, in terms of support, in terms of sales, and even this past year, the momentum of the pull-up program has not died down. I thought it would, and it has, every day I will still basically, I'll get a message or be tagged in videos of people doing pull-ups, and it has just been crazy. I think out of, <coughs> excuse me, um, I do a lot of chin-ups and pull-ups with my clientele. I put a video of it. And my clientele, that some of them listen to the podcast. They certainly are on my social media. Out of a lot of people in my world, you're probably the guest we've had on that my people engage with the most. And it's largely because of this. So wow. that's been really fun to see. Well, you've seen yourself a few examples of people like my client, uh, Jessica, Alberta Sky Girl. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. She, she's great. She's a competitive cyclist. And she... She started training with me last year. It's been about a year. And like her, her before and after pics and her results just went through the roof. And she's been just so excited because she's super, super strong now. Way stronger than, you know, she came in. Uh, but yeah, she's just one example of someone who has just really gravitates towards what you're doing. And I think a lot of it's, I think female empowerment is actually a really key yes. part of it too. And, you know, I, I, <coughs> excuse me, I think some people in our industry get a little like bent out of shape when it comes to like anything that seems like a sort of social issue. But I really think that like empowering women is one of the most important things that we can, we can do as fitness professionals. Yeah. And I think another thing with my program and me in general, it's very inclusive. I have a lot of followers. I mean, people of all genders. So not just women, I have men. I mean, they're pretty much, I have so many different types of followers. So that's also been huge in terms of the pull up program. I mean, people sharing videos, even recently, I don't know if you saw that crazy video of the, the pull-up with the V band. Uh, like the, yours? the chaos pull-up. Yours? Because there was a bunch. Like, oh, that. my God. Well, somebody named Greg, Greg Vaughn, he originally did it for the pull-up challenge I just ran. Yeah. And I tried it. It was so cool. People saw me do that. <laughs> so then so many different men and women, they were all doing that, doing the pull-up, and they tagged me. So I shared that in the story, and that went pretty crazy. Yeah, the, just oh, I, over the past I mean even still in my story I think there's videos of that I, I've seen a lot of these videos of people doing crazy shit you got Travis Pollan climbed up oh the, Travis is awesome I think Tra Travis was, yeah he was that, that was when he was like yeah well Tra Travis is a freak first of all a little bugger doesn't weigh anything 
right? We already <laughs> we went over. On we, your show. We I went over it in his podcast. I called him a cheater because he only had one leg. Or no, I didn't call him a cheater. So people called him a cheater. That's what it was. Yeah. People call him out for that, like privately. Which, They're like, "Oh, is, you could do a pull up. You have one leg," like, which is ridiculous. But uh, okay, people are idiots. Yeah, but like, <laughs> we're just laughing. He's like, "No, it actually happens." He, he's like, <laughs> "What did he do? He climbed up to the video of him doing this. Is great. He climbs up like." A, a rock climbing wall, indoor wall, and he's hanging off by fingertips off something and doing chin ups off of uh, the holds. It's like you crazy little bastard. Oh yeah, the videos have just been amazing, and I mean, people, teenagers. I have teenagers. I don't know if you've seen the before or after video of my client Sue, who I'm actually training once the podcast is over. She's the lady. She's in her seventies. She wants to be able to do a pull up, and she start. I mean, she had been doing all of the other regressions in my program. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I often show her using the band and I talk all the time. People kind of misuse the band. They rely on the band. They do nothing else. Mm-hmm. As a result, they don't experience a lot of progress. So I only introduced the band in phase three, just because I believe you should have already established pull-up specific technique, obviously the shoulder and scapular control mobility, lumbopelvic stability, upper body strength, and your form should look like a regular pull-up. So Sue, she's done all of that. She was finally able to do a pull-up using the thinnest band possible. Nice. And I mean, she started out with a green band. It was a struggle. Her form wasn't great. So she is so close to being able to do a pull-up, and she's in her 70s. Wow. So I have a lot of older, but people in their 60s, 70s, they want to do a pull-up as well, and that has been so cool. Um, I've actually got... I want to I want to take this in a totally different direction here, and it wasn't one of the questions I actually sent you, but it's something I've seen you talk about recently on social media, and I know Lee Peel put on a big post about this a while back, and it's about ch- who you choose to align yourself with uh, yes. on social media, professionally, and, and you've spoken on this because people will see who's on your social media, who you're sharing information from. Can you talk a bit more about your thoughts on that and what the issues are? Or just the importance of it, I think. Because just even in general, I think that that's great to understand. Well, for me personally, I completely agree. For me personally, being a good person is what matters. Having good values. Being true to myself and aligning myself with good people. And I know a lot of people, they're kind of willing to play the game. They're willing to network with people who are known to be shady because they think it will help them get ahead. So, I mean, doing something as simple as liking a post, that is showing somebody support. I don't want to name names or any of that. But even for me, going into my first launch and going into this launch, I only ask people to review my program, to promote my program, people whom I respect both professionally but also personally. So if I know somebody is shady personally, even if I think it will help me make more money, I would never in a million years ask them to promote because my name means more to me than the money. So I think, um, I don't know, I don't want to get too sidetracked here or go off on a big rant. Go on it. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, just be a good person. There are so many other good knowledgeable, or sorry, knowledgeable people out there to follow, to support and to share their work. You don't have to align yourself with shady people. And it just drives me crazy. And I fully agree with what Lee said. I have also kind of done the unfriend thing, removing people, shadier people. I've called out a few of them privately. I won't get into details. 
one in particular, um, yeah, I could talk about this forever, but basically align yourself with good people and just be a good person. That makes sense. I think this, we're seeing this a little bit more. Um, and I think there's a lot of good in being very careful about who, again, you align yourself with, who you are seen as promoting. I think we've seen a little bit of this where it can be taken a bit far. Yes, uh, I agree. Where let's obviously politics is a very contentious thing and in social issues. I think if you get really extremist social views on either end of the spectrum, that can often be someone you don't want to be aligned with. But yeah. if you have someone who has a different political view, and, and again, especially in the United States right now, there's there's some very, very wide swings in how people view things. But I think if the only difference is just because someone votes for a different political party than you do, you don't want to align yourself with them. I, I think that's very dangerous thinking. You can really box yeah. yourself into an echo chamber of ideological thought. I think diverse discussion is very, very good socially or politically, or even within the ideologies within our fitness industry. But at the same time, yes, I think we have to be very on guard against the truly bad people, the plagiarists, um, you know, people who engage in sexually inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyone who's spewing hateful shit for sure is a big bad one. Just don't align yourself with people you don't want to be friends with. I think that that's kind of, I think people get caught up on being friends or promoting stuff for ulterior <laughs> motives of pushing their business and all this shit where like if you, if you wouldn't let your wife or your son or daughter hang out with them why the fuck would you like you know what i mean like just use common sense and i think people just get blinded by the fact that they want to i guess push their business more than they want to be a decent person if that makes sense yeah i want to be able to look at myself yeah. in the mirror and just sleep well at night which ends up being i think when i guess we're kind of all talk about the same thing but once you get older you kind of realize how you want to live your life and certain things aren't as important once you start aligning yourself with those good people because the more you kind of surround yourself with that and cut out the shit you kind of get addicted to adding better people and then it yeah. kind of snowballs to getting what you thought you wanted anyways which ends up being better in your career better life more money all that shit happens by doing almost the opposite of what everyone says to do and yeah good for the mental health <laughs> well and that's another thing like how much better did your life get when you cleared up your mental health stuff that goes oh, with this conversation almost everything. directly Honestly, I mean, going to therapy in April was the best thing I have ever done for myself. I was just on a podcast yesterday and I talked about it pretty extensively, but people need to put their mental health first and it is going to benefit their physical health. It's going to benefit obviously the relationship you have with yourself, but the relationship you have with everybody else. So for me, that's kind of my number one priority right now. And I know it was one of the questions you wanted to know more about the work-life balance. <laughs> I don't know if you still want to talk about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. As long as you have time, let's totally do that. I do. I'm just glad. Oh, yes. I have plenty of time. Good. So even my thing, shortly after Spokane, so I decided to go to therapy, had a really good talk with a friend actually in Spokane, and it had nothing to do with therapy, but I just decided for myself, it was something I've been thinking about for a long time. I've been pushing myself really hard with work. My work-life balance was not good. So what I even ended up doing in May, I cut my in-person coaching down from five days to two. So I'm only in now two days a week. The rest of my focus is online. It's on products. It's on online coaching. But then I now also have so much more time just to devote to my own mental health because I'd been neglecting it for years. And I just tried to be strong. I tried to 
I mean, I guess pushed on myself and I was just surviving. And then I realized I want to thrive. I want to be happier. It's going to benefit all aspects of my life, including professionally. So even part of my self-care was to cut back on my in-person coaching. Well, and this is actually a good topic of discussion. How did you go about doing that without fucking up the rest of it? So like some people hear, like I cut down my coaching. They're like, oh my God, you're going to make thousand dollars a month like how did you go about it so that you could still continue on I guess we'll say financially even because that that is still a stressor part of it I mean I did after my launch in October I had a pretty good cushion yeah so that made it a lot easier I could just make the jump plus I'm doing the online coaching I'm going to kind of pick that part up a little bit more after my launch on to like after this whole launch is over yeah so I mean um there was that, but then just realizing how tired I had been, mm-hmm. how I could be so much happier, how I could be so much healthier mentally for myself, for the relationships in my life. I just needed to do it for myself no matter what. So it was kind of a sacrifice, but it has paid off in a huge way. And I mean, even in terms of creativity, I feel like my content has been better everything has just improved kind of since I started my therapy and really started putting myself first. Well, you've paid your, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you've paid your dues to be able to put yourself in that position too. There's yeah. sort of a, a point that I wanted to get out with in this question as well. And this definitely goes to newer, younger fitness professionals. When I worked at a commercial gym for a long time, oftentimes I could correlate the success or the failure of the newer trainers coming in by their attitude towards working and the hours they worked. The people who are willing to put in the time uh, to build themselves up, to get experience, usually did well. The ones who had this attitude of, no, I'm going to work within traditional nine to five hours that weren't willing to work evenings or early morning or or do some weekend work to get themselves going, they always failed because they weren't willing to put in something to build up a reputation um, and just get get, launch their careers. Another thing I think is really important to understand is... When you are in the fitness industry, a lot of time, this is a lifestyle. It's something that we generally love doing, that the people yeah. who are truly successful. And it's very difficult to turn around and have a nine to five mentality and then separate when you go off into yeah. the rest of your life. I did used to do, I mean, when I first started out, I don't know how many years it was, I would do the really early mornings and I would do the evening. So I was doing the split shift and I realized if I wanted to, stay in the industry and love what I was doing. I could not do that. So I eventually, I'm a morning person. So I would do the really early mornings and then kind of work all morning. And then I'd have the afternoons off. Now I'm still, I'm not working at 6am anymore. That was one of my things after October when I kind of had the freedom to do so. I decided I'm going to start at seven just to kind of give myself that extra hour, even for my self care. Mm-hmm. And I like to try to meditate in the morning if I can, or even just go for coffee and relax. So my work-life balance, it's, it has shifted a lot. It has become more extreme where I am really focusing on myself because I needed to. It was kind of, I don't want to say I wasn't in crisis mode, yeah. but I could tell I was going in that direction if I did not do something drastic. And I love coaching. I absolutely love it. But I also just really needed to put myself first, and that way I could be better for my clients. Well, we even had this discussion before, not with you, Megan, but when Andrew and I came over in the morning. Anyways, 
once you kind of get that, I guess, initial experience or all those hours in the game, you've kind of climbed that mountain, so to speak, because there's nothing <laughs> after that. Like once you're busy, yeah. getting more busy doesn't make things better. You almost have to find something to clear up that space. And that's why yeah. it's just interesting to talk about because everyone thinks like, what's next after that? But I don't even know if people get to that question because they're just so stuck in the 40 sessions and they're so yeah. depleted that they can't even look to the next step. And I think that you kind of almost have to plan if like yeah. plan your career in a sense that know that at some point you may have to scale back and that's going to be what pushes you forward because if you can't clear up that that I guess mental energy how are you going to commit to something else because you already did what you set out to do which is train lots and make money but after that yeah. there's more and you've done a good job of this you now have this really successful program online you do public speaking engagements you're more of a brand in the online space Dean now is working with a project with Stronger You and that's a really big growth opportunity. Me, I'm still actually kind of stuck in that mode where it's just like pound hours with clients. But I, I, I love it to begin with. Yes, yeah, so you love it. So that's totally different. But I am even thinking and about how I to loved it, it. But it was also for me, training I find to be a lot more challenging mentally. I'm sure you probably agree, more mentally challenging than mm -hmm. physically challenging. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the day, I was just done. And then that way, it, it was just so hard to focus on the online work, on the products, on the speaking. And I do have, I don't know when it's going to be out, but I am working on a pretty big collaboration project. Dean is one of the people who's involved. Great. I think there's Seven eight percent. of us. I can't remember the eight or 10 of us. And we have something coming out later or like next year. And then also I have that product with Kelly and Sarah. Nice. Yeah. So there are a lot of different things going on different ideas I have stuff I want to eventually do and I now have the mental and physical freedom to do so well and it, what seems to be the catalyst to all this was taking care of yourself and we won't even say that was therapy it was just kind of understanding that something needed to give to yeah. give you more space to do that and now it seems like you're doing more than you were doing before but you're almost your capacity to do so has increased like would you agree with that oh so much I just felt or felt very I mean, largely due to the training hours, but then even just not taking care of the health. I felt very mentally heavy. My head was not clear. Now I just have this really clear mind. Thinking is so much easier. Being creative is easier. I'm so much happier. I'm way more confident. And it's kind of having a carryover to all parts of my life, not just, uh, I mean, not just my personal life, but largely my professional life. Now, I got one question. Sorry, I know you. Did a lot of this stuff, like, how long ago did you fix your rib injury? Oh, God. You know, it's so funny. Time has flown. I'd have to look back in my Facebook memories and see posts. Yeah. I would probably say, oh, my gosh, I played soccer. I'm just trying to think back to soccer. I played three seasons after the injury. This year, I'm not playing just because things have been crazy with work. And then there was this whole political issue where we got kicked out of our league and they had no games. Long story. Um, I would say around five years. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just interesting just dealing with myself too. A large part of my mental health was the injury. And once oh, that kind of 100%. cleared up, it gave me more capacity. So it's just interesting to see kind of like your growth. Because what I'm hearing is as things got better and you started clearing out some of the, the background noise, like you're popping almost to the point where... Now, how do you balance like this idea of your notoriety for this program because you've had the success? Like, how do you kind of balance this notoriety with, I guess, clearing up your time? I don't know. Because you're known for the online stuff, but 
how do you kind of grow after that? My big thing, I mean, I'm still just really focusing on my personal growth, focusing on bettering myself as a person, making myself happier. And that is going to have a carryover to my work. Um, just trying to think how I can best answer that. I mean, honestly, focusing on my mental health, that's kind of my main theme right now. Mm-hmm. And even going back to the injury, and I'm sure you can relate, Dean, when you're hurt, you're not going to probably feel very good mentally. No. So for the five years, knowing how much discomfort I was in, thinking I was never going to get better. I mean, I spent probably over $25,000 trying to fix myself. So I was under a lot of financial stress. I was just really, really depressed. I was anxious. I felt terrible. So once I kind of found my solution, there was this huge relief. Obviously, I was so, so relieved. And then I focused on bettering my physical health. My mental health health did improve quite a bit. But I still had been neglecting it. There's kind of some underlying issues from my childhood, stuff that I needed to address that I had not. Mm-hmm. And I kind of finally just realized I need to take care of this and it's going to help help me improve all aspects of my life. So that's kind of what I did. So I had a huge surge after I recovered from the injury. But I find I'm having an even bigger and more impactful surge now after I started going to therapy. Well, both and physically and especially mentally. I, I was just going to say, just to sum that up, is that what it sounds like is outside of being known for pull-ups is you've kind of created this voice of kind of preaching some of these, I don't want to say softer skills, but some of these recovery aspects for people to get better. And I don't think that, I think that that's kind of cooler than your pull-ups. I know it's, yeah. <laughs> even though you're known for that, there's a lot of value in this other stuff. And it seems cliche, like sleep, take care of yourself, all the shit that people hear. But it's so that, true. That I mean, we're something... not, this is the other thing. People often assume we're just fitness robots. All we do is train. All we do is pump out information. There is so much more to many of us than that. So I kind of like people to know that. Yeah, that's cool. We're people who do fitness. We might be passionate about it, but it is not who we are as people. We still have thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> thoughts, feelings, <laughs> struggles. I mean, we're normal. <laughs> you probably have to go, don't you? You're out of time. Ah. Uh, I could talk for five more minutes. All right. Well, let's let's do this really quickly then. Uh, I got in trouble for talking too much. I'm sorry, Megan. Dean, you're bad. Or Andrew, who's that? <laughs> well, that was Dean. Dean's the one who rambles thought, incoherently most of the time. Yeah, and I fucked up that question. But it's all good. And you say fuck more, I think. I, Dean I do. Says, Dean curses more. Way more. I curse. Really? <laughs> I don't even think I he think curse. A, oh, I do swear. Um, I said it once or twice. <laughs> You're allowed to. Kelly Coffey still holds a record for swearing on the podcast. <laughs> Mike Gizertel is probably close second. Uh, a, a good book, and B, we want to make sure people remember where to find you online. Well, a good book. This is a kind of a funny story. I'll keep it short. Mm-hmm. When I first started therapy, I was reading all these self-help books. Brene Brown, I love her. But I kind of overdid all the self-help books. So I just, I was telling my therapist this, and so she recommended a book. It's from her book club. Very dark, very disturbing. It's a Japanese thriller, oh, and this is so bad. I'm losing, oh, it's called Out. It is so good. So I'm reading that. I'm not quite finished yet just because of the launch. My brain has been so fried that at night I have kind of been just doing mindless TV. So once I'm finished this launch, I'm going to finish the book. It is fantastic. And then I mentioned the Brene Brown books. I've been listening to different audiobooks. I started listening to, believe it or not, The Outsiders. I have that actually, weirdly enough, on my audio. It is one of my favorite books of all time. And I was so sick of the self-help books. 
So I'm listening to The Outsiders. I'm also listening to Mindhunter. I love, like, I'm really into criminology. Yeah. So that, that's about it for now. Cool. That's a good thing. You don't have to always push the learning. Like, sometimes no. that other shit is more important. Well, it's important. I started reading some well, classic literature. Well, I look forward to more learning once I am done this launch. More learning for work, but yeah. then also just more learning for life. And yeah. More history, more... I want to learn a new language. So many different things I want to do. <laughs> Clearly, your capacity has increased. Um, I, I do want to hit this before you have to leave. Where can people find you online and kind of just kind of describe the launch and kind of where you want to go with that in terms of what you want to let people know? Because there is a new product. Okay. Yeah. So the launch, well, technically the program is, I mean, it's been going for the full mm-hmm. year, so it's not anything new, but I've upgraded the program. The current program is very similar, but because I'm always learning and evolving, I have upgraded or updated, I should say, a few of the coaching cues. I've added in a few more exercise modifications. So, for example, somebody cannot do a prop or a push-up from the floor. I have a video of hands-elevated push-ups. So that's the main program. But the key, I've added a 40-page bonus section, yeah. really comprehensive. I include exercises that address shoulder health, elbow health, grip strength. And then there's two very basic lessons on breathing and bracing. Yeah. So that's the bonus section. The launch is from October 23rd to the 27th. So next Tuesday, you will save 50% off during that time. After the launch, the program will be available for regular or for the regular price. You can get the program at ultimatepullups.com. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram. And then my main website is megancallowayfitness.com. That's easy. And, and the one thing I do want to add is that bonus section is a product in itself. Yes. So, no, it's very comprehensive. Yeah, and it and, and it's something I think that anyone gravitate towards, even coaches. So just because you think you know a lot, there's there's a lot of material in there that can help your practice as a trainer too. So it's not just well, I was for just gonna user. say that yeah. a lot of my customers are coaches and they have been using it with their clients kind yeah. of as a teaching manual or they've been or they bought the book to study. Or just use it a as a template. Like why reinvent the wheel? If it's already fucking working, like there's there's some mental energy saved because you don't have to fucking write a pull-up program. It's already done and it works. Yeah, and I mean, it's a full-body program as well. Exactly. So not just the pull-up, it's to train for the pull-up, but while addressing the full body. Yeah. Well, we yeah. know you got to go. Thank you so much. I'm not rushing you. I make sure we don't hold no. you too long. It, this has been sensational. Um, it was good to catch up too. It was great to catch up. You've done a lot in a year. Yeah. It's, it's kind of awesome to see, just to hear it from your mouth, but like, we've been following and it's kind of just cool to see what's happened since the last podcast. So yep. I'm glad you're doing well. Yep. Crazy. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show again. Oh, well you'll be back and we'll have you in groups of some of the people you've been working with too and figure some stuff out. So I'm really glad that we were able to finally make the scheduling work. Have a great day. Take great care of your clients and we'll let you check out. And we've got a couple things we're going to say to the audience. Awesome. Have All an right. awesome day. See you later. Take care. Bye. Hi guys. Well, we're still here for another moment. <coughs> so, Thanks for tuning in to an awesome episode of Megan. Megan's amazing. She's someone we, we, we obviously believe in. Uh, check out her social media stuff. We've mentioned a few other people on the podcast, like her friend, our friend Lee Peel as well is great. So if you want to check that stuff out, or even our last episode uh, with Charles Staley. Charles is really cool when it comes to pull-ups and a lot of other stuff too. So even though him and Megan might seem very, very different on the surface, there are actually some very really similar. cool underlying similarities. Something else that we have going on as well now, or well, Dean does... Especially if you're a fan of Dean's more 
esoteric and incoherent ramblings on the podcast. Andrew doesn't like rants for me. <laughs> no, the rants are fine. When he stops making sense, I make fun of him. Um, <laughs> so, but Dean's actually got his own podcast he's doing with our friend Josh Citron and Anthony Harder. And it's more of a playground, a little bit of fun. It's very different from what we're doing here. So do you want to explain what that is really quickly so people can actually find more of your bullshit? Well, I was just going to say, it kind of gives us another platform to just kind of talk about the shit we like to talk about. And here we kind of get in a lot of fitness elements and... I really like some of the psychology and some of the coaching aspects and just it kind of gives us a chance to pull on old guests and just get another vantage point to kind of pick their brain. So if you like what we do here and a lot of our guests here, we'll have another section of that with our podcast just talking about different stuff. And it's kind of nice to hear. Um, I guess some of our guests have a story to tell in terms of what their main thing is, but there's a lot of other things that go unsaid that we don't normally touch on in, in, in the realm that we're in. So it's kind of just another side project where we can fuck around, talk about shit, rant, and just... I, I think it's a lot more hand. casual. Again, it's, it's yeah. not something... I'm, I'm not a part of it. It's not something that... He's not uh, allowed to be part of it. Oh, I didn't know that, but that's okay. I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I just made that up right now. We have a set of rules, and it was like, Andrew's never allowed to be on it. Well, I think it gives you a playground to, to let more of that side of you come out. And I know that there are people who really love that part, so they can get more of it. That's simple. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, we'll be bringing you another episode next week. As per usual, we haven't nailed just exactly who the guest will be. We've got a few people in the works. We just have to nail down some recording times. So thanks for tuning in. Five-star reviews. Yeah. Rate, rate us on uh, on iTunes or whatever platform you're on. For 52 reviews. I want, fucking, I want like 60. We need 100. We need. I want a hundred. I want sick of people like saying, "Oh, we're gonna rate," it, and there's no more votes. Like, come on, man. And you know, and share it. Share it on your. You know how people will take a screenshot of something and share it onto their Instagram story or things of that nature. Please, by all means, like blast it out there. You guys have been super supportive. We've got a whole bunch of people who've been doing that. Uh, shout out to our buddy Chris Little. He's been amazing at doing that on his feed. He's got his own little podcast. If you want to go check that out, go check out his social media. All right, guys, we are done. Thanks very much. Shut up and sit down.